1: for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness
0: of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others.
1: The greatness of the Raiders.
0: Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports.
1: There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players. The flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win.
0: Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have
1: great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players have a great organization, and you tell them one thing, win. just win, baby. Welcome
0: back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arigo. We are talking NFL Draft, and uh, thanks again to Benjamin Albright for jumping on with us. Um, long day. I know he's got a bunch of more calls to make from, from stations throughout the country, so for him to jump on with us, you know, that was real cool. Um, that's what happens. You good people... You link up with you and you guys, you know, are like-minded. And you, we've been, we both, I guess, even link you and I link it up. Um, it's been real cool because the friendships and brotherhood you develop uh, just turns into so much. And you guys, we all, we all grow together and grow in the same direction. And it just, you can do stuff like this. And I'm really, really excited and really happy that we're able to have been on to even, you know, talk about anything NFL draft with him because I know how busy he is and he turns down a lot of people
1: right no he does he does and he has to only because he's got so much to do you know i mean and i i'm, I'm just i'm kind of like him where i try to do every interview that people want to do and i'm not gonna lie to you man my monday has been absolutely bananas i mean you know starting at like 6:30 in the morning uh my time and then who knows what time it's going to actually end? But it's like I, I, I want to say I've done like four different interviews, including about an hour on uh, 940 ESPN in Fresno today. So uh, you know it's just everything when when it when it comes to the NFL draft and you know especially when you're you know you're going to be there and, and you have a, a vested interest in it. Then you know a lot of times you get caught up in those conversations and, and people want to talk to you about it. And uh, I'm not on Benjamin Albright's level. I I haven't got there yet. I'm still working and grinding and uh you know so right now I'm I'm in the business of trying to do every single interview interview every uh everything i can do just to just to get it out there you know get it out there and and, and try to blow these things up and again going back to some of the comments that we've had on on even this show man i've I've seen a lot of good positive stuff on on twitter and i know twitter is not the end all be all but a lot of good response on twitter and so definitely appreciate that and uh thank everybody for for even listening because they don't have to they can go somewhere other outlet and listen but uh definitely hear that and uh i think that that's cool so uh yeah just let's keep banging it out man this is a lot of fun
0: that's real, and, and we thank everybody for listening, definitely, man. Like, In fact, the first couple questions we're going to answer are from people that tweeted at us uh, after the last show. One of them, and the first one is from uh, Drew. Uh, you can follow him at Drew underscore balls with a Z at the end. And he said, so my question for both you and IQ as well as Raider Nation as a whole, he wants our thoughts on the priority urgency of getting rid of Tom Cable. And do we think that the topic deserves more attention from the media and fan base. Uh, he doesn't see much regarding, albeit his draft season, and it's tough to find uh, anything on the subject. Well, here, here's how I feel about Cable. I think you and I are in agreement. If this isn't the year the offensive line makes a big jump because they were piss poor last year, and that's me being nice. If this isn't the year that they make a jump, he has to go, and you have to bring in a new online host because that will be – four or five straight years that he's had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. He had, I think I believe it was two years in Seattle. And then what last year with the Raiders will be the fourth year that his offensive line, providing they play bad, does not make the grade, so to speak, and can keep the quarterback upright. Um, it's not going to get a national attention because quite frankly, who cares about an offensive line coach? Like this is be real. It's an offensive line coach. It's not the head coach the offensive coordinator, or the defensive coordinator, so no one gives a shit. But when it comes to the fan base in general and people that want to have that conversation, absolutely, it is a fan base where the pressure, I believe, has to be on, and he has to feel the pressure, he being Tom Cable.
1: I agree. I, I agree. And I remember seeing that question on Twitter and uh, I'm glad he asked that question because you're right. I mean, it's not going to get national attention, but it should get more even local attention than it is getting. It's not being talked about as much as it should. Everyone wants to look at John Gruden. Everyone wants to look at uh, Paul Gunther. And then it ends right there. No one ever really talks about uh, the special teams coach, Rich Passaccia. No one ever talks about Tom Cable. And you're right. Tom Cable... Uh, He has to get it right this year. And my response to that question on Twitter was, yes, I would love to see him go. I wish he was gone after one year. But with that being said, there's a problem with continuity when it comes to the Raiders and their coaching staff. There's always been a problem with continuity when it comes to the Raiders and their coaching staff where there's always guys being cycled in, cycled out, fired, replaced, whatever. I mean, even think about uh, when, when the Raiders did really well in 2016, that was you know, Jack Del Rio, and and, and that was uh, Bill Musgrave as the offensive coordinator. Then all of a sudden, Del Rio, he gets Musgrave out of there because he feels threatened by the guy. And so then he puts, he puts whatever his name was in there. I forget his name, but he sucked. He was a, a terrible offensive coordinator, but he was Derek Carr's friend. And we saw what happened in 2017. Then all of a sudden, 2018, it's John Gruden's there. I mean, you know, it's just so much change and change and turnover and if you go back through the history of the Raiders over the last decade it's been turnover after turnover after head coach after head coach after defensive coordinator after offensive line coach i mean all these coaches it's a turnstile and it's at some point it's got to stop the good the really good teams throughout the league have continuity along their coaching staff now i get it if you're a really successful team your guys are going to get plucked Like, Sean McVay is learning that in in L.A. right now. He's having a lot of success. So if you even have served him a cup of coffee, you're probably going to get a coaching job somewhere. So that he just has to deal with. But these guys aren't getting promotions. These guys are getting replaced because they're getting fired. One after the other, after the other, after the other. So at some point, you want to get a guy in there and keep him in there for a while and have the continuity there. But the problem is, when John Gruden hired Tom Cable, it was the wrong hire. That was my problem with it. It was the wrong hire when he did it. He didn't do the research that he should have done. And what you said, going back to his time in Seattle, his offensive lines were not good. Now, I know they won a Super Bowl with him and he was there. And that was when Marshawn Lynch was running really well. And they should have won, two if they had just given the ball to Marshawn one more time. They didn't. But still, after that, it all started to tail off. And a lot of people thought Seattle didn't, give any kind of uh, uh, like attention to their offensive line. Like, oh, you know, they just didn't pay attention and they didn't draft the right guys and they didn't put some, no money into their offensive line and all they cared about was defense. That's not true. They put a lot of assets into their offensive line. They just weren't coached up the correct way because Tom Cable was the guy calling the shots and it wasn't the right shots. And so... He has a lot of pressure on him to get it right this this, off se- or this season after spending all the money that they did on Trent Brown. And on top of that, they're going to draft somebody. I guarantee they draft some offensive lineman during the draft, maybe even two. So they've got to yep. get this right, or he's got to get it right. It's squarely on his shoulders, and if it doesn't, if they don't get it right, if Derek Carr, or whoever the quarterback is, but I'm saying Derek Carr because I believe that's who it's going to be, if he gets sacked another 52 times this year, he's got to be gone. I mean, there's no questions to it. If Derek Carr has another season where he's running for his life or he's on his back more times than he's not, he's got to go. Tom Cable has got to go.
0: Who, and his name slips my mind, um, but he was the Jets' run game coordinator at Callahan. Callahan is one of the better offensive line coaches Bill Callahan? in the NFL.
1: Yes. Yeah, Bill Callahan could kick rocks. Bill Callahan was the head coach. Hey. I don't care. Bill I, know, Kay, I know, I know. <laughs> no, he's never returned to the silver and black. It was bad enough his son was there last year. His son's not even there anymore. But uh, his son, I think his son went to Cincinnati. He's he's in Cincinnati now. But, yeah, I know. He was a really good offensive line coach. But, you know, I think he's in Washington now. I think that's where he, he is. Okay, yeah. He so.
0: is. But he'd be a guy that, and I know the Raiders have talked about bringing him back when John first got the right, job. Yeah. He'd be a guy if they let Campbell go. And I know the Super Bowl debacle was the, you know, the end-all to be-all when it comes to him or Raider Nation. But the reality is this. If he's a good offensive line coach, one of the best, which he is, he'd be a guy that I would want back, period, no matter what. Because at this point, you have to go upward with your offensive line. And if the cable guy is not doing it, you've got to cut cable and move on to a different provider. That's just the reality of it. Um Q, I want you to answer this question first. It's from our good friend Stackanova on Twitter, at Stackanova, one of the best follows uh, for intellectual football and Raider conversation on Twitter. He says, uh, what's a successful Derek Carr is the unquestioned Raiders franchise quarterback look like then? Will it only be seven or eight wins, and will that do that? Um, Basically, I mean, so essentially he's asking, is it a successful year with Derek Carr? if the Raiders win seven or eight games and uh, would would that make him the unquestioned franchise quarterback going forward?
1: You know, that's another good question and and I'm glad he asked that and uh, I I love to answer this one and I've been telling uh, this to a few people now and I I will repeat myself again and I love it. So thank you very much for answering this question because it's, it's a very valid question because we keep saying that this is a, a, a year where Derek Carr doesn't have any excuses. He has to prove that he's the guy. I don't think, that him proving he's the guy has to do with just win and loss total. I really don't because, and this is why I say this, the Raiders could win 10 games this year and surprise the hell out of everybody and make the playoffs. And it could be despite Derek Carr. You know what I'm saying? Like they could find ways to win the game and it just be like, well, the quarterback play wasn't very good, but they found ways to win games. Now I'm not saying that they're going to do that, but I'm saying there's a possibility. Hell, the Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl with, with Trent Dilfer. And he's a terrible quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He's not a guy that I'd say, hey, I want Trent Dilfer for the long haul. He's just not. Derek Carr could have a bad season, and the Raiders could still luck with themselves into some games and win some games. And you could say, boy, that was a good turnaround season. But let's go back and see what happened. If Derek Carr does some dumb things that we've seen Derek Carr do before, if he doesn't look like he's maturing and growing, it's not really in wins and losses for me. It's I want to see him get better. He's going into year six. I yep. want to see him improve. I want to see him get better where he's all of a sudden making great decisions, where he's in control of the offense. He's guiding these guys up and down the field like he was in 2016. I'm not saying he's got to go 12-4 and 4 and get him into the playoffs. I just – I need to see that he is a lot better than he was in 2018 and he had a lot on his plate in 2018. He was another offensive coordinator, a new system all over again. You know, he's he's had to deal with that almost every other year in his career, if not every year in his career. Now, he's got to be the you've got to be able to have a, a, a no question when the season is over, there there shouldn't be any debate on if Derek Carr is the guy or not. You know what I'm saying? You should be able to know by what you see over the course of the season that Derek Carr is the guy. And with that being said, you should also be able to see that Derek Carr is not the guy if he's not. is I don't think it really is going to come down to wins and losses, especially with the schedule that they have. We went over it in great detail the other night. So I just think that Raider Nation can't put numbers on anything right now. You have to go game by game by game and see what this guy does and see how he continues to develop and grow and blossom under John Gruden and see if they're growing closer or if it looks like they're growing farther apart. If they're growing farther well, apart, there's only one answer. you got to get rid of them.
0: Well, that's the thing. If the Raiders were to go, let's say, 5-11, and 11, but car throws for 4,700 yards and 39 touchdowns and seven picks, is that saying he's not a franchise quarterback?
1: No. I mean, the
0: numbers speak otherwise. right? But at the same time, if the Raiders go 13-3, and three, and he throws for 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 12 picks. As I say, he's not a franchise quarterback. John Gruden won a Super Bowl where Brad freaking Johnson is his quarterback. It's true. I'm, um, you, you know, the reality is it's more than just Derek Carr. That and I, don't, I don't think Derek is the problem. I mean, you have to understand that if you're a fan, yes, you see the the the, the Madden and the video game numbers that Pat Mahomes put up last year. But look at the weapons around him. When you have the guy who was leading rusher in the NFL the year before and he was one of the league leaders as you're running back up until the last quarter of the season. When you have a receiver that has got four-two speed on the field and pads and your quarterback can move around just enough to just throw the ball up to him and you got other playmakers around him, you got a tight end that's probably the most swaggy tight end in the NFL – since Jeremy Shockey and Kelsey, you have pieces around your quarterback to make him successful. And he got the city year. This is now Carr's second year in the system. The same amount of time that Mahomes has had in Kansas City. And now you're able to see, or you will be able to see, just the command of the offense and how much of it he has in Derek Carr in John Gruden's offense. And I would tend to think that at the end of the day, the Raiders, by adding Brown, by adding Williams, by bringing in some of the other pieces around them, and let's just say they did go out and add a tight end um, early at some point in the draft the first two rounds. Or let's just say they, they do add a running back in the first couple rounds as well, let's say a Jacobs. Um, or even if they get one later on in the draft with, with my man out of Henderson out of Memphis. And he goes out there and balls out. Now you have pieces of the round card that put the Raiders in a position to not only win games, but win games at a, at a, for a long period of time at a high level.
1: Right. I, I agree. And, again, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be in the body of work. It's going to be in what he does. You know, again, uh, you mentioned the like 24 touchdowns and, and 12 interceptions and only 3,200 yards. But if it looks like he's struggling and if it looks like the other, you know, maybe the defense comes up with a bunch of turnovers like they did in 2016. They had like 30 something t- turnovers in 2016. And that really set them up for a lot of late game heroics for Derek Carr. If you could see that he's struggling and he's just not picking up things the way he should. And he's just, you know, he, he's just, he looks like he's, he's drowning out there. At some point you gotta cut bait, especially and and I hate to say it, but especially with the money he's making. And I know it's not shouldn't be all about money, but with money comes expectations. If you give me a lot of money, you're gonna expect to get A one work out of me. So, you know, and, and that goes with anybody. So again, the more money he makes, the higher the expectations. Right now, he's pretty high up there. He ain't number one, but he's still at twenty five million dollars a year. That's a lot of money. You know, you don't want to see mediocrity for that. You don't want to see Brad Johnson. You don't want to see uh, 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 Trent Dilfer. You don't want to see that guy. You want to see a real deal, top of the line. You know he's the franchise quarterback. So I think it's really all in the body of work what he puts into it in 2019 will tell what Derek Carr or who Derek Carr is going to be for the Raiders moving forward.
0: Again, it's one of those years where they're not going to give him excuses. They're putting the pieces around him for him to be successful. And if he can't be successful with these pieces – then I think they move on. And the following year, you got Tua. Uh, you have a few other guys. And if you even wait another year, if you don't want to dip into free agency, the following year, you got my man Lawrence from Clemson. You're going to have uh, Fields coming out of Ohio State. Uh, there's going to be some dudes out there that can really, really play that kind of fit what Gruden likes to do. If you wanted to, to stay local, projecting in 2021, you could have a Tate Martell, a guy that played at Bishop Gorman in Vegas, a guy that his family still lives in Las Vegas. Now that he's out of Miami, he'll have. Uh, at least two years of starting, Um, he could be a guy that the Raiders in 2021 could target if they they really wanted to get that smaller, more dynamic quarterback. I don't think that happens. Again, I'm on record as saying I think Carr is going to have a really, really good year. He's going to blow up this year just because I think he's going to be in a position to get the ball out to very, very skilled and very good players that know what to do with the ball in their hands. Um and that's the other thing too. You got and it goes back you got to you gotta look at what pieces he had around him, bro. Like at the end of the day, last year, you know, Jordy Nelson was and the reason why he was let go from his other team was because he was at two or a three at best getting paid number one numbers. He went there to help change the culture, help establish a work ethic. Um you look at other guys that are around that team, I mean they got rid of Seth Roberts, uh the other receivers are no longer a part of the team. He didn't have a lot of guys to throw to. I mean, you had the the was it the white? you called him the white lion or the white elephant. The white tiger, in, white tiger, in Martavius Bryant. I mean, he's a guy that's not that's you know he's not there this year, and he was a guy they expected to do a little bit more than what he did, or a lot of it more than what he did, to be quite frank. So he's got guys around him now that are going to make plays. In particular, Antonio Brown is going to be a guy that really, really makes a huge difference in the type of quarterback Carr is going to be looked upon by not just the media and the fan base, but by his contemporaries as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything you're saying is spot on, and again, it's one of those things, that's a, it's a wait-and-see type mode, and, and that's why I've been telling Raider fans, don't don't put a number on what you need to see Derek Carr do this year and just stick to that. You just need to really watch the games and see how everything shakes out and then make your judgment afterwards. It should be crystal clear to you. It should be obvious, right in your face. I mean, really, it really ought to be. It's kind of like that question when uh, people are, are saying, hey, is this guy a Hall of Famer? Is this guy a Hall of Famer? If you have to sit there and think about it for very long, then he's not a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's how I always judge guys. Is this guy a Hall of Famer? Well, I got to think about it for a while. No, he's not. Then simple as that. So that's, that's just that's my opinion on it, but we'll see what happens.
0: I agree. Let's go to another question. This one from our email, which is uh, Raiders Podcast on SPNation at gmail.com. This is from Sean Siegel in Las Vegas. He goes, hey, guys, all the mocks I've seen have the Raiders addressing their tight end and or running back needs one of their top 35 picks. However, the position on offense that he feels the Raiders are most likely to target one of those top 35 picks is actually offensive guard. He sees the Raiders likely taking a guard at either 24, 27, or 35, and he thinks specifically the guards that fit what Mayock and Gruden wants to do and the Raider mold are Chris Lindstrom and Dalton Reisner. Uh, he wanted to know our thoughts on uh, what would be if the Raiders took one of these guys at guard with one of their top 35 picks in the draft. Um, look, I've made no bones about it. I think Dalton uh, Reisner is one, He's probably my favorite or one of my top two or three favorite offensive linemen in this draft. He can play inside at guard. He can play outside at right tackle. He plays with that nasty disposition. He'll talk trash. He gets great thrills of putting guys on their ass and, and pancaking them in the dirt and moving them off of their spot. He's a guy that would definitely fit what the Raiders want to do. Will he be there at 35? I don't know. I know a couple teams that back into round one really, really like him. And there's a couple teams that could potentially target him prior to 35 in round two. Um, If the Raiders took him at 35, I would not have a problem with it, Um, especially considering – just that big of a need, and that's he's a plug and play guy right away. I like Lindstrom a lot too. I like Reisner more. Would I have a problem with it? With one of their top four or top three picks? No, nah, probably not. But I think there's other needs in particular. You got to get that D lineman. I think you have to get a running back. I, I'm, I'm in disagreement with some people who feel running back is not a big need for the Raiders. I actually think it is. I think you need to have that type of weapon on offense. And you need to get an edge rusher or you need to get a tight end all within your first four picks. That's just my opinion. But Reisner, to sons sounds would be the guy that I would take out of the two.
1: Yeah, I like Reisner a lot as well. A guy out of K State, he did uh, he did some good things at K State, and guys that come out of K State are well coached. That's one thing you can know about those guys; they are well coached. And uh, everything you said about him is spot on. That's what he does, and he would be an instant guy that you can, like you said, plug and play on that offensive line. I like him a lot. I also like Cody Ford a lot, and I know that Cody Ford is going to go probably pretty high. But depending on what the Raiders do it for, if they trade back a time or maybe a couple times, maybe they're in line to take him. And I know he's a tackle, but he can kick inside and be a guard. And matter of fact, you could probably kick. Him inside and make him be a guard immediately, and then all of a sudden you have a real nasty line, and I wouldn't be mad at that at all either. I mean, again, uh, something that you asked Benjamin Albright about was offensive line guys. If you thought that the if he thought that the Raiders might make a move for one of the, uh, those guys, and you know he, he was kind of skeptical on it, but I uh, when listening to you ask that question, I thought, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, because and we talked about this so many times, and I saw someone actually quote me on uh, on Twitter about it, but I think that that would be a foundational football player. I think that's a foundational piece because the foundation of your team is the lines, the offensive line, the defensive line, the trenches. Teams are built and championships are won in the trenches. So the more you improve your your offensive, defensive line, the better your team is going to be all the way, all the way around. So I could see a guy like Cody Ford, depending on what the Raiders do early, uh, he could he could be in line for the Raiders. At maybe like I don't know, eleven or twelve or, or even thirteen or something like that. If they move back enough, uh, who knows? So yeah, I think offensive line guy, uh, one of those guys are definitely in play for the Raiders uh, in their first four picks.
0: I'm gonna give you another name of a guy that you know very well because you're down from your neck of the woods, and that's McCoy out of Texas A&M, yep. the center that can also play guard. He's a guy I know that the Rams really, really like, and he's a guy that they'd be considering with their first-round pick as well at 31. He could be a guy that the Raiders could probably get at 27 if he's available. Um, and obviously the Rams think so at 31. He should be there at 27. He's a guy that's an instant plug-and-play guard right now. And with Hudson being in the last year of his deal, was hopefully they get him re-signed, He could be your center of the future. You slide him over, and then you'll have an idea of what you want to do with the third-round pick last year. Parker, if you want to keep him at tackle or slide him to guard, or if you want to even kick Miller to guard and put Parker back at tackle. So it could buy you a year of kind of wait and see with some of the guys you already have. But McCoy could be a guy that you really look at um, at the end of the day as a guy that potentially could – be a great fit for the Raiders
1: I agree with that 100% and man what you said about uh, Rodney Hudson and I've been talking about it a lot like a lot of people are not talking about the fact that he's going into the final year of his deal the final year of his deal he has been rock solid ever since being a member of the Silver and Black I would hate to see that guy not be there but there's a good chance that he might not be there I mean I would think that maybe going into his final year on his deal they would actually have extended him already. I'm actually surprised that he has not been extended. So I'm not sure uh, what the holdup is. I know it's not hundred percent necessary, but I would like to see a guy like that retained. I'd like to see him uh, sticking around. So if he's not in the plans for the long-term future, maybe a guy like McCoy who makes a lot of sense, who like you said, could play guard right now. If, uh, if Rodney Hudson ends up walking, then boom, you go ahead and slide him over to center and then you have your guy. And, and McCoy is one hell of a center, one hell of a center. He's, he did some great things. At uh, Texas A and M, uh, and they're gonna—they're really missing him, having to try to replace him. But yeah, McCoy—he could be the real McCoy for the Raiders.
0: I like it, the real McCoy. So what I want to do now is make a quick transition to uh, another Raider writer that's out there, uh, Mo Mouton. Who Mo's one of the best dudes in the industry. Um, does some stuff with FanSided. I know he did some stuff with um, uh, uh, Bleacher Report and a few others. He, he goes—he has some other shows he's on and. Mo does a lot of good things. Um, he did something for fan-sided, though. Um, what he felt was the Raiders' five biggest needs going into the draft, and he wrote this um, on Monday. Q, I'm going to go through them, and we'll go ahead and just do you a know, quick, quick debate on whether or not we agree with Mo or disagree with Mo, Mo's opinion. Uh, he feels number five safety is the number five biggest needs for the Raiders going into the draft.
1: Safety at five or the number five. um I could get down with that. I can get down with that and say safety is as that position. I think that uh, he, he's on the money with that, and I think that they'll start to look to address that safety position probably in round two or uh, you know maybe even round three if they pick up around uh, a third round pick, which I do believe they will.
0: Yeah, I think round two or three makes a lot of sense, and the guy that I think makes more sense than anything to them at that point would be our guy from Alabama, Deontay Thompson, because he is a center fielder that can just go get the ball. So if you have a one-high safety, he makes a ton of sense. And that allows Cujo to do what he does best, uh, working, working that strong safety spot, kind of playing over the tight end and doing some things like that, along with LaMarcus Joyner. I think at five, I can get, kind of get down with that, considering um, I think you know, d lineman pass rushing from the interior is number one. Um, I tend to think, Running back is number two that kind of goes against what other people think tied in number three. Um, but I, in the top five, I could definitely see that, especially like you said, if they trade back into the third round or end up with a third round pick um, number four, he has linebacker and I don't disagree with this again. You need to get an inside linebacker because you can't count on perfect based off of past history with injuries and, him getting into trouble with the league and be suspended for a game here or a game there because of some type of dirty play. At number four, linebacker, I would really agree with that, all things considered.
1: I might even say it's number three. I might even move it up to number three. I think linebacker is a major, major need. I've talked about it many times how they haven't had a real deal linebacker in very long. I mean, honestly, they haven't had a a real deal linebacker since Kirk Morrison and Thomas Howard. Those were the last two real deal guys that were their own uh, linebackers and and they really need to address that that uh that position and I think that they need to stop addressing it late in the draft. I mean Nicholas Morrow is a nice story and he's good and it looks like he's getting better. But at some point, man, you need you need a, a Roquan Smith. You need a you know what I'm saying? And I use this term all the time, but I love it. You need an alpha dog. And Nicholas Morrow, I don't think is that guy. Uh, Brandon Marshall's not going to be that guy. Bontez Burfitt might not even make the team. I, I he might. And he's on a one-year deal. So, I mean, that lets you know that he's not the long-term answer or solution at that. So if he makes a team this year, great. Go on out there and ball out. You know, hey, I'll I'll cheer you on, no doubt about it. But I know he's not the long-term solution. So they need to get somebody that could be that dude. And that's why I mentioned earlier that uh, Devin White, I would have no problem with the Raiders coming out of the first round with Devin White. I would think that that's a hell of a pickup. I know some people are going to say it's too high. You can't get him at number four or whatever. But, hey. Uh, I I think that Tampa Bay is going to take him at number five. So what's the difference? One pick. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping. If he's going to, if he's going to pass the Raiders at four, because it's too high. And then Tampa Bay turns around and gets him at number five. Everyone's going to say, that's a great pick by Tampa Bay. Well, why wouldn't it have been a great pick for the Raiders then? So if they end up with him, I have no problem with that. I know you mentioned Devin Bush going to the, to the uh, Broncos and he'd be a good fit there. I think he would be too. He'd be my fallback plan. If uh, Devin White's you know not available or you know and there's still a linebacker that is needed to to be had, Devin Bush would be a good one for me as well. Uh, so I, I do think it needs to be addressed, and I think it needs to be addressed early.
0: Well, I think to counterpoint you, it wouldn't be a good pick, and I think when, it wouldn't be a good pick in some people's eyes. And now all that comes down to is who else is on the board and who did they pass up? Did they pass up a Quinn Williams? Right. Did they pass up um, a Nick Bosa? One of those two guys you take Devin White, yeah, I think I don't think you made the right choice. Well, I don't, just, I don't think it's gonna be one hundred percent.
1: I don't think that they would pass up on a Quentin Williams for a for a Devin White, but if it falls, if if Arizona takes Quentin Williams or they take Nick Bosa, and San Francisco takes one of those two guys and all of a sudden they're both off. Josh Allen goes number three to the Jets. Then all of a sudden you're sitting there and thinking, Do you want Kyler Murray? I don't. Do I want Dwayne Haskins? I don't. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind trading back at that position. But at the same time, if Devin White's sitting there right there and I think he's going to go number five anyway, I'm taking him. I'm pulling the trigger on that, and I'm happy. I'm I'm saying I got a a real-deal playmaker, a guy who changes the culture of the defense immediately with his presence. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to pull the trigger, and and I would have no problem with it.
0: All right, so let's go to number three, uh, Mo Mouton's top five Raider needs. He says, we just get done talking about it right before this, offensive guard he thinks that is the third highest priority for the raiders this offseason or excuse me going into the draft
1: yeah and and that's cool i mean if i said that linebacker is number three i'll just say that that offense alignment is number four. you know. But I could see it being flip-flopped, no problem. I really could. And we talked about it. We talked about it in great length on why the the team could use a, a real deal offense alignment and, and how one could follow to them even as early as the first round. So uh, I think that we're just kind of splitting hairs if we, you know, are, oh my God, no, it's not number three. It's gotta be four. I mean, hey, three, four, four, three, whatever. It's all good. Uh, I think he's spot on with, with the need. There is a need there for the Raiders at the offense alignment, especially the guard position.
0: Yeah, I agree one hundred fifty percent. I mean, there's no other way I can say it. I think at at three, four it doesn't really matter. You can flip flop them, um, as you said. If you can get a guy, then you go get him. If he's at three, if he's you know if it's if, it, if he's if it's in the third and, it, and it's a guy, if, it's, if even if it's Reisner in round two or Lindstrom or McCoy, like you, you can get one of those guys, you go do it. And I think you know, going back to McCoy to me. Don't be surprised if that could be a pick late. And I say that because they want a certain type of player to play on that line. Mm-hmm. To be to embody that line. They want that nasty. They want that guy to that that that, cat, that can make opposing move opposing players off their position. The guy that can make opposing players kind of think twice. You can get a McCoy at twenty seven. Now your offensive line is pretty much set, dude. especially if you re-sign Hudson. Your line is set, providing that Miller steps up and, and plays well. If he doesn't, now you have a problem because you missed on him last year at fifteen. And I think that, that's what it comes down to. He's got to step up big to forward, wrote a, uh, a really good piece about um, how well he's been, how he's increasing his strength and working hard this offseason. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, it's, it sucks to call someone a bust after one year, because plenty of guys turn the corner year two, year three. Um, a lot of people don't like the pick because of who they passed up. And I think, you know, me me being one of them, Me also because he went to UCLA, quite frankly, I'm not a UCLA guy. If you want me to say something nice about guys from UCLA or Notre Dame, you're really not going to get that from me, providing that I'm an SC guy. But if he's got game and he's helping, he could be a really good pick or could have been, but, People are going to go back to them passing on Derwin James. People are going to go back to passing on a guy like Jair Alexander, who had a really good year as a corner. So there's a bunch of guys that they passed up on that they took Colton Miller over, and you're kind of sitting back saying, uh, God, that's why the offensive line sucks, because this guy, and it's all because of who they passed up on. So um, I like offensive guard at, you know, three or four. That's cool. Um, I think Mo did a good job there. Number two for Mo is tight end. Um, I don't disagree really? with this. Number two. Yeah. Number two.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I would say for me that would it's in the top three. Um, I tend to think you need to have a tight end with Cook gone. I mean, the guys that are there just aren't the guys that are going to get done, get the job done for Gruden. Honestly, they're just they're just not. That those types of guys, um, I really think that you got to get a tight end or two. In fact, I did a mock draft today. Uh, I didn't release it yet, but I actually had them picking two tight ends in the draft, uh, one in round one and another one in, I believe, round five. Um, I feel it's that big of a need. I think you got to get two guys to come in and, and really have Growing John Gruden's offense and give the Raiders different types of skill set and looks.
1: I mean, that's, that's fair. I just didn't think it was a, a number two need. I, I thought it was a little bit lower on the list, but I mean, we've already gone through other, other needs. And we talked about safety. We talked about offensive linemen. We talked about um, who else did we talk about? Uh, gee, I'm forgetting now uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, we, I, I don't know. I just thought that the two, it just sounds, sounds kind of high at tight end, but I mean, it makes sense. And, uh, you know, you could go and draft two tight ends in the, in the, in the draft and be like Baltimore did in 2018. And I think that that's going to work out really well for them. Uh, They got two different styles of tight ends, but still really two good tight ends. And so that, that should be interesting to see how it it shakes out. Uh, I do think that they address the tight end position. I just don't think that they're going to really address that tight end position early on. I just, I really don't. Um, I know that there's some good, good ones you know, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, obviously Irv Smith, but I, I just think that they're not going to address it early. I think they're going to wait till like round three or so to do it. And I'm looking at a guy that uh, maybe from uh, Texas A&M, they might look at a guy like Jay Sternberger. You know, he, he did a, he had a heck of a yep. a, a, a season with a uh, Texas A&M and you know, he he's a guy that I think Gruden would really like him just because the way he got to Texas A&M, the way that he was at a junior college and, you know, A&M was there to to scout somebody else and happened to see this guy. I was like, man, who's this? And boom, put him on scholarship, got him to the school, and, and the rest is history. Now he's going to be in the NFL draft. I think Gruden would like a guy like that, just one, because of his story, and two, the way he thinks he's going to get in there and work and, and bust his tail, his work ethic. I think it would it would be something that Gruden would like. So, I, I don't know. Um, I, I know the tight end's a, a need. I just didn't know if it was the, the number two need overall.
0: Yeah, that is kind of surprising. No doubt about it. But um, he makes a very compelling argument as to why um, it should be. And the number one need, according to our guy, Mo Mouton, uh, who wrote this for Fan uh, I retweeted it, I believe. So you can check it out or go to Mo's uh, Twitter at Mo, M-O-E, Mouton. Uh, the number one need is defensive end. And I don't disagree with that. The pass rush was almost as bad as the offensive line play for the Raiders last year. Let's just be honest. It was porous at best. It was pitiful uh, for the most part of the year. Um, Arden Key has to take that step and finish plays like we talked about last, last show. I think at this point, you've got to create an interior pass rush, and I believe that out of your first-round picks, two of your first-round picks, especially if you take Williams or Oliver at four, in one of your next two picks has to be a rush end. One of the elite Russians. if it's a Cleveland Farrell, uh, if Montez Sweat falls down, those are the types of guys you need to have to order, in order for you to be successful on the defensive side of the ball going forward for John Gruden and Paul Gunther.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's real. Uh, my thing is, he's, he specified edge, right? He said defensive end. So
0: Raiders... Uh, I'll read. I will give it, uh, give you a quick read. The Raiders will likely double dip at the defensive end during pre NC. The front office sign Josh Morrow, Al- Alex Barrett, and Benson Mayoa to fill the void. None of the aforementioned players have logged impressive numbers as pass rushers. Amongst the three, Mayoa is the most accomplished in terms of reaching the quarterback. Um, clearly, the Raiders still have a lot of need to help generate a respectable pass rush. Specifically on the edges of Gruden and not go with the best player available with the fourth pick. Uh, It is possible that selection may not be a defensive end. In that scenario, it's likely Oakland would use 24, 27, 35, or two of those picks to address the position. Uh, He continued on by saying don't rule out a move to trade down to acquire more capital in the second or third rounds to address The team's biggest need, if there's one thing to bank on for an unpredictable draft, is the Raiders taking multiple edge rushers with decent to high-level collegiate sack production.
1: I just think that it's multiple defensive linemen. You know what I mean? I really do. I mean, edge rusher is one thing, but I do think that they they need to uh, continue to improve the interior as well. You know, and, and that that goes to Quentin Williams. That goes to uh that goes to Ed Oliver. You know, and, and again, I think the one thing about Ed Oliver, which is making me even more high on him, uh, the more I talk about him, is the fact that uh, he, he's so versatile, and we feel like he could be. Uh, different play you know play different positions and I'm not sure exactly what position that is but I feel like he'll, he'll find a way to get it done at any position and that may really really be something that Paul Gunther looks into and really really likes and maybe even bangs the table for him and says you know what Quentin Williams is nice but this guy, I could use this dude all over the line and really, really thrive. So that might uh, end up being something that, uh, that the Raiders look into and, and maybe pull the trigger on. So I think that, yeah, edge rusher is their biggest need, but I think they need defensive line help in general. So, I mean, I would just kind of, I would just kind of put it there and, and I think that they will, like most said, use multiple, uh, picks but it'll be multiple picks on the line in general. Like it'll be nose tackle. It'll be, you know, there'll be the D tackle position. It'll be the defensive edge, uh, defensive end position. I mean, it'll be both of them. It won't just be one or the other. I think it'll be both. I
0: could see them going. D line, two rush ends in the first four rounds. So three of the three picks in the first four rounds, and then coming back later in the draft and adding another rush and another deep, another defensive tackle type, um, christmas for florida state late in the draft would be an excellent find he's a guy that's projected to go uh day three um in the sixth or seventh round he could be a guy that could play that zero or one tech um and he's a guy that can even play a three tech and really make an impact uh, because he's a little bit shorter squattier but he plays hard and he's a guy that's got a high motor those are the type of guys we talked about it before, that Mike Mack and John Gruden love those grinders. Those guys are going to go in and really just be a um, be, be a guy that's going to lay it all out on the line. And I think that that could be a really um, – and a name to watch late in the draft for the Raiders. It's just Christmas uh, from Florida State. Um, but I do agree. I think they're going to double or even triple dip with the on the defensive line and edge rushers in this draft because I think it is a big need i don't usually draft for need. I usually feel like you draft the best player available at your biggest position of need versus just drafting best yep. player available or 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 just the biggest need exactly so, i think um,
1: that I think it's best player available dot 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 uh, in, in need of in position of need. I mean, that's exactly what it is. That that's the, that's what it should be called because everyone says best player available, but that is not necessarily a hundred percent true. Sometimes the best player available may be a quarterback, and you're not just taking it because you have a really good quarterback and you don't need one, and you rather you know what I mean. So sometimes that best player available is really, and most of the time, in my opinion, is best player available in position of need, like you said.
0: Okay, uh, this is non Raiders news, but the news just came across about an hour ago, and I think it's really big news. Um, NFL executive Rod Graves is stepping down to become the chairman of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Uh, The FPA fights to increase opportunities for minorities throughout the NFL front offices, coaching staffs, and scouting departments, and he will succeed in retiring John Wooten. Um, I think that's pretty big news, and it may not be news that a casual fan is going to catch on to, but when, Rod, when a guy who was a high-ranking NFL official, and Rod Graves, I believe, was a, ran a, a team for a number of years, or for a few years as a GM, I believe. I may be wrong. Um, when he steps down to, to, to join and run the, the Frisch Pollard Alliance, I think that's pretty big news.
1: No, it really is. Yeah.
0: Considering the history of the Raiders and what they've done for minorities and women in pro sports.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And it's funny because everyone is still kind of up in arms about the way that John Gruden got hired. And everyone's up in arms about the fact that Mike Mayock came out of uh, TV to be the GM. And so uh, there was no really coaching search when John Gruden was hired so everyone feels like the uh you know the the Rooney rule was violated even though uh the Raiders should it should be the Al Davis rule anyway and then Reggie McKenzie gets fired and gets replaced by a white guy and so there was a lot of up in arms about that and then a lot of guys got fired throughout the league and then all of a sudden like the the minorities that were in the front office and the minorities that were head coaching also you look back and you're like oh whoa now now they're really there's really hardly anybody you know and so uh you know there's there's a lot of things that need to be tweaked about the Rooney rule. uh, I I don't think, I think it's a great concept. I just think that it's not being executed the way that it should be, but I don't think it should be written the way it's written. I just, there's certain things that I don't think need to be done. I mean, like the Raiders, for instance, John Gruden was their guy. If John Gruden, if they weren't going to hire John Gruden, they would have kept Jack Del Rio. I mean, it was bottom line. They weren't going to go and hire another guy. It was was John Gruden or bust in my opinion.
0: I disagree with that because there was other reasons why Del Rio was fired that, quite honestly, had nothing to do with what happened on the field.
1: Oh, I believe I mean, that that,
0: that it, it's a direct indictment of the the play about how p, of certain players and leaders felt about John uh, Jack Del Rio. But honestly, there's other fact, There were other factors at play that led to Del Rio's firing. Um, so I don't necessarily think he would have... I think he was gone no matter what, but if, but they got the guy, don't get me wrong, if they coveted and, quite honestly, coveted that job.
1: Right, exactly. But the thing about it is they just gave Del Rio a huge uh, contract extension. I think, even though there was issues, and I, I agree with you uh, that there was some other things that you know no one's even speaking on or even maybe even not knows about, but I think that they would have found a way to maybe rein him in a little bit or rein these things in and these problems and try to weed these problems out Uh, just because that was a big, that was a big money hit. That was a big cash hit that that Mark Davis had to hit uh, after giving him that extension. I thought he gave him the extension too early. Anyway, Uh, I questioned it when he gave it to him. I thought, hold on, man, you got to make sure this dude proves it, you know, make sure that this wasn't a one hit wonder. And well, we proved or we saw that it was ended up being a one hit wonder. So, uh, you know, there's, there's different, there's different uh, ways to approach it. I just think if you already have your guy, you don't have to just, go and 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 interview someone just to say just for the sake of doing it I mean how many times can you possibly interview like Mike Singletary or can you possibly interview I don't know fill in this uh, minority guy that you know would love an opportunity but seems like he's just a a Rooney Rule interview. You know what I mean? Like that—that that just, yeah. like, you know, that's basically what it is. So I just think that the the rule probably needs to be tweaked a little bit. Again, great concept. It's just not being executed. <laughs> executed, excuse me. The way that, uh, you know, it was it was planned out when when they when they implied it.
0: Yeah. So, um, I know if people are like, well, that's not Raider related, but a it, it kind of good. I think <laughs> it, it is in a lot of ways. It's Raider related. And people really really look at it. So, um. Congratulations to Rod Graves on, on that move. Um, guys, we're going to take our last break. and We're going to come back and we're, probably, we're going to give you our first round prediction as to who the Raiders are going to take with their three first round picks. Um, and that's they have to take the picks. We can't say they're trading the picks. We can't say that they're going to deal back for more picks. This is just straight who we feel the Raiders are going to take when they come on the clock. On Thursday, at the first round of the NFL draft, you're listening to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Origo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you hear us in conversation with business
1: icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment
0: Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that.
1: Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome
0: back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Origo And Q... It is time for us to give us our, give the listeners our first round mock draft. Now, the rules for this are real simple, as we stated a little earlier. That is, you cannot make any trades. You can't trade up. You can't trade back. You are stuck at 424 and 27. You are on the clock. Q, at number four, with the first round pick, with their first selection, fourth overall in the first round. The Oakland Raiders with their general manager, your boy
1: Q, select. Quentin Williams, defensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, you put him next to Mohurst and you increase that interior pressure immensely, makes things a lot easier on the on the guys coming off the edge. Also makes things a lot easier on the corners that hopefully you improve the the play of them as well. Uh again, just kind of culture changer. He's that guy that that you need on the on that that side of the ball. So yeah, Quentin Williams is my pick number four.
0: I am going to throw a curveball. Of course you are. I, I think Quentin Williams is going to be drafted. I think someone is going to jump ahead of the Raiders at three to take him. And I think the Raiders are going to select Ed Oliver, defensive tackle from the University of Houston. To me, if this happens, yes, it sucks, because Williams may be the top player in the draft. But fast forward or rewind a year ago, At this time, Ed Oliver was the top player in the draft, a guy that they thought was going to go number one overall and a guy that uh, some people thought should have sat out his junior year so he can uh, not get hurt and hurt his draft stock.
1: So I'm taking Ed Oliver. And that doesn't because. suck. That doesn't suck at all. That's a good fallback plan. You know what I mean? Like, Quentin Williams is 1A in my opinion, but Ed Oliver could be 1B for all I care. I think Ed Oliver is really good. I mean, I, for everything you just said. So I think the Raider Nation would be very happy if Ed Oliver ends up coming off the board as the Raiders uh, pick at number four. I will say, just a little side note, a little asterisk next to that while we talk uh, highly about Ed Oliver, I will say his agent is Joel Siegel. I'm just going to say that and I'm going to leave it alone. I'm just going to say that and I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Look,
0: you can't not draft a player because of his age. I agree. How many guys? No, I agree. I, I mean, just like you can't sign every player that Drew Rosenhaus has, even though you signed two or three of them <laughs> right. this right.
1: offseason. So I um, agree. That is providing saying, wins off the board. I'm just saying that he is represented by Joe Siegel. I'm not saying you don't draft him because of that. I'm just saying, I hope that the Raiders are prepared to pay the guy if in four or five years he ends up being a super stud. I hope that they're not looking to say, well, we can't really, you know, what I'm just saying, like, that's all I'm saying. Because Joel Siegel's going to get the most money for his client as he should. So I, that, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't draft him. I'm just saying, if he is the guy, if he is the dude in four or five years when it's time for his contract to come up, I hope the Raiders are ready to pay him and not, you know, fiddle fart around and think that you know they're going to get off with a, a cheaper deal than than some other team is going to prepare to get because Siegel's going to get this money fiddle fart huh yeah i know i heard that you know hey i'm in texas man i heard that the other day so i, I i've been using i've that. never i've been using it man a fiddle fart? i pick up words all the time man I, I hear stuff and stuff that i've never heard some country stuff that i never heard and i pick up on it and i i'll use it just because i like to it's cool have you ever heard uh this dude took off like a, uh, wait, hold on. Damn it, I'm going to say it wrong. Oh, that sucks. I was doing a game one day. I was doing sideline reporting for a high school football game. This is totally off the subject, but whatever. Anyway, uh, and uh, the dude was doing color. This guy, he was filling in, and he was doing color, and I was doing sidelines. And this running back, I mean, he got the ball, and boom, he was gone. He hit the, uh, hit the hole, and he was in the end zone. And, oh, he said, oh, man, he, sc- he skirted off like a scalded dog. And I thought that that was the funniest saying ever. Like, I immediately, I have an open mic, and I started dying laughing. And it was, like, all over the broadcast. I was just laughing, laughing, laughing. Finally, when I calmed down, they said, you act like you ain't never heard that. I said, I haven't. You know, I'm a city dude. I ain't no country dude. And uh, so I, I I use that one every once in a while as well. i so say, he took off like a scalded dog. I just think that's the funniest thing ever. But I'm not, my voice ain't country like that, so it doesn't even sound as good. But anyway, that's just, just what I'm wow, saying. Wow, you say... He skirted off like a scolding dog. I did see, see. he didn't say it like that. Now that just sounded like he was, you know. What I mean, that's that. See, you, 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 see. I didn't go there. I didn't go there. He said. He said it with the cool country sound. Yeah, I'm trying to be cool. I mean, you know, I gotta, I gotta be cool. Where I'm like a chameleon, man. No matter what my environment is, I can, I can fit in. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to uh, pick up a little bit of country lingo in my time in, uh, in Texas. That's all.
0: I, n- I ain't never heard a not Natter say nothing like that. <laughs> okay?
1: All good, all good. I- I'll I'll oh, own uh, that. I'll own that. At-,
0: at, least- at least we didn't hear about the Grand Wizard today so far. So yeah, you're lying. No, I
1: ain't-, I ain't going there. I ain't going there.
0: <laughs> For those of you that heard the last show, we'll get the reference to to that right yeah, there. Yeah, okay. my bad. Yeah. Now- <laughs> okay, with the with the. 24th selection in the first round of the NFL draft. The Oakland Raiders general manager, your boy Q, selects.
1: Oh, man, this is a tough one. This really is a tough one because there's going to be so many guys taken off the board in between 4 and 24. But I'm going to go with my very original first mock draft that I ever did in my mind, and I'm going to go with, they're going to go with edge rusher Cleveland Farrell from Clemson.
0: You know what? I actually agree with that. I was going to go with Cleveland Farrell at 24 myself. I think we talked about it last time. I think Farrell is going to slip a little bit because I think teams want this super athletic edge rushing guy that Josh Allen potentially could be. Um, Farrell is is just a football player. He's an edge guy that gets to the quarterback, that plays the game a certain way. Uh, A lot of coaches – that are old school, and even a lot of these new school coaches love the way he plays, but he's just not super athletic, like, blow go off the charts athletic. I think he fits what Gunther wants to do, and I think he is the perfect fit for the Raiders to come off the edge. And to get him at 24 is a coup for the Raiders and John Gruden.
1: Yeah, and you know what? He might not get you 17, 18, 19 sacks in a season, but he might get you 10 consistently. You know what I'm saying? And uh, i take that. I would take 10 consistent sacks every single season, and then a guy that can stop the run. And a guy that also comes from a winning program. A guy who expects to win. A guy who can also change the culture, like I mentioned with Quentin Williams. Again, these are guys that are expect to win. They don't know about losing too many games. And this is the kind of guys that the Raiders need to start putting on their team. Guys that are winners. Guys that get, are going to push their team to be better than they are. You know what I mean? Guys that expect the most out of their their their, their teammates. So uh, I could totally see him at 24, and I would love that pick. I would think if you get Williams at, at four and you get Farrell at 24, man, you're cooking with grease now. I know you've heard that one before.
0: Oh, I've heard cooking with grease since I was a little kid. Since so, you yeah. were cooking with grease. And Greece. I would say even, even Oliver and Farrell at yeah, four and right. 24 make a lot of sense.
1: Agreed. Agreed so,
0: 100%. Okay, so now with the 27th selection in the first round of the NFL draft, the Oakland Raiders with their manager, your boy Q select
1: running back, Josh Jacobs, Alabama. Uh, you just get that guy that could be a dynamic force, either out of the backfield or catching passes out of the backfield runs really good routes. I I could see John Gruden just getting, uh, getting that little look on his face like the mad scientist or something, you know, just all the things he could do with him. You combine him with Antonio Brown. You have Tyrell Williams. Uh, you know, you have other weapons as well. Ryan Grant, uh, you know, you got a bunch of different weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You're going to address the tight end position probably at number 35 if the guy that you want is there. If not, you'll hit him in round three. But uh, still, you get you get a, a dynamic playmaking running back, and then you uh, retire Marshawn Lynch and tell him thank you for everything.
0: I agree with that. Again, we're like-minded with that. I think you get your running back there. Um, And I also think that it also adds a different dynamic to the offense just because of the type of running back that he is. He is a three-down guy. I think Gruden really wants that. I know in today's NFL, um, a lot of teams like having um, a dual running back threat in terms of well, you have a power guy and a speed guy. Look at what New Orleans is doing. Um, there's a few other teams that do that as well. I think Gruden wants to have that one running back that he can count on, that bell cow running back that he can count on. And I think Jacobs fits that. All right, Q, second round. I know we said only first round, but second round, 35, who you got?
1: Oh, man, that's a tough one. How are you going to hit me with that one? And I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. That was a curveball. Okay, um, yep. well – I don't think the tight ends that the Raiders would uh, address are are there because they they're taking in the first round, and I think that you could wait on a couple and get them in a little little bit later. So I don't think that they they get the the, the tight end at thirty five. I think that at thirty five you go you go best player available, obviously with position to need. Uh, I think you look at the wide receiver position and see if if one's available. Uh, you also still think, hey, you know what? Uh, the edge could still use a guy, so I'm gonna go with the guy that we brought up in the last show. How about Josh, uh, J- Jalen? Excuse me, Jalen Ferguson, out of uh, out of La Tech, edge rusher. Uh, he's got some baggage, but he's also got a lot of production. I think that you're really, really happy with that pick. If you, uh, if you, as long as you can keep him out of trouble.
0: I'm actually gonna go Dalton Reisner. Okay, um, you get your plug and play guard that can play right away that you can count on. Um, you can come back and get a receiver or even an edge rusher later in the draft. Um, again, a guy, I think around four and five, Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno state. Yep. You get a, uh, you can get another, uh, again, we brought some of the other tight ends, the kid from San Diego state, the kid from San Jose state, Caleb Wilson from UCLA are guys you can get between rounds three and six. Um, those are guys that should be available. Um, so even edge-rushing-wise, there's guys that are there that, that should be available. Uh, Polite's going to be sliding down draft boards. if he, I mean, he's, Some people have removed him from the board, but that's a guy that you could definitely uh, get a little bit later. Um, and there's a, there's a few other guys, a couple other guys from Clemson, actually. Um, they have some edge-rushers that, that fit as well. Um, but I like the offensive guard in the second round. Um, because now, what does that do? That that your offensive line is set now, and uh, if McCoy is there, that's who you take. And I actually thought about him um, with that last pick at twenty-seven, um, just because of what I said earlier with Hudson being his last year, um, and just the way things are. I think I think that could that could be a really really good fit, but I ultimately went with Jacobs there because I think he'll be he he's not going to last till day two i don't think but to get a Reisner guy that a lot of teams especially on the back end of the first round teams, picking 30 32 they really really like him that's the type of guy uh the raiders could get in plug and play and their offensive line is, is really moving forward going going on from 2019 forward
1: you know a guy and he's not getting any kind of conversation uh, a wide receiver is not getting talked about at all it's from clemson Uh, Hunter Renfro, he's not getting any conversation whatsoever. Nobody is talking about him. He's not going to be a first-round guy. Probably won't be a second-round guy either. Not the fastest dude out there, but you know what he does? What he does really well? Catches the damn ball. That's all he does is catch the ball. He doesn't (laughs) drop passes. He's a wide receiver that catches balls with his hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't uh, watch him come into his body and let him bounce off his pads. He's a guy that you ideally want to have on your team, the guy who's going to secure the bag, the guy who's going to catch the pass every single time. This dude, if you go back and look at his history at Clemson, he don't – I mean, there's a stat that he doesn't have, and it's called drop passes. That is ideal. Raider Nation, how much would you love to have a guy who just doesn't drop passes after having – Coop on the team for years dropping passes, having Crabtree on the team for years and dropping passes, and fill in any other guys. Seth Roberts on the team for years dropping Darius passes. Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward Bay fighting the ball. <laughs> I mean, I go all the way back to freaking Ricky Dudley, the tight end dropping the ball. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I could go. I'll go back to Willie Gall dropping balls. I used to love Willie Gall because he was so damn fast. But you're right; he would drop the ball just like James Jet. Man, those guys were track dudes, but they would, you know, put the ball on the ground too much. But You give a guy like Hunter Renfro that doesn't drop the ball? You tell me that's not a guy that Carr would fall in love with quick? I mean, he's not Jordy Nelson, but he's very Jordy Nelson-like, where that's what Jordy Nelson, and you know – you know firsthand, Jordy Nelson always yep. secured the bag before he worried about taking off. And then he just was so dynamic, he would do so many great things. That's what made him so damn good. That's why John Gruden wanted him on the Raiders in 2018, just to be that guy. Hunter Refro could be the dude that secures the bag every time. I wouldn't mind the Raiders giving a, a, a later round flyer on that dude. I would love. I, w- I would actually welcome him uh, to the Silver and Black. I think that'd be awesome.
0: Well, I, I, he's a guy I think is going to go a little bit later.
1: Yeah, um, he will. He,
0: and if people want to go back to what John said about building the team um in a way like New England, Renfro is the epitome of a New England. Guy. Yeah, he'll probably be a patriot. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit, but he's a guy, but he's just a slot receiver. He's not gonna play outside nope. the hashes. He's you no, know, he's a slot guy. He's gonna do the dirty work. He's gonna catch those get the tough yard, he doesn't drop a lot of balls, he's not going to win a bathing suit contest, he's just a football player. And it seemed like he was at Clemson forever.
1: Yeah, it did. He
0: was catching balls like that since his freshman year. Yep. I mean, he was the go-to guy for a big play. I mean, I believe he caught the touchdown pass to win the national title, the first one, against Alabama. Yeah, he did. Uh, that Watson threw. I mean, if you if you look at the guy, he's just a football player, period. Um, I can definitely see, again, fourth, four fifth round, you know, really fifth round, him being a guy that that really, you know, Gruden and Mac have a a real long conversation about um, in terms of why um, he fits and the way he'll fit into the offense. And I would absolutely, I would love that pick for them. I absolutely love it. Now, selfishly, I want Keyshawn Johnson to end up either
1: right.
0: uh, in one of two places, one of them being Oakland. Uh, I think he's a special player. Um, but they took a, I If I'm a Raider fan, I'd have zero issue with that. I'm like, I'd be uh, high-fiving my homies and I'm watching the draft with.
1: I would, too. I absolutely would, too. I mean, again, the dude does not drop passes, and that is so major. And Derek Carr, if you go back just to Derek Carr's career and you see all the drops that he's, he's thrown, he's thrown passes that are catchable that have been just plain dropped. You want to talk about numbers I mean he's had some some decent numbers but man what his numbers could really look like if he had some receivers that didn't consistently put the ball on the ground so I would welcome Hunter Renfro to the Raiders and I'm sure Derek Carr would as well
0: okay Q I asked Ben Albright the same thing earlier in the show give me something that is going to either surprise Raider Nation during draft weekend shake their head high-five each other or have them saying what the hell is going on here in the Vince Lombardi voice, Give me something that you think this prediction it don't have to be true. Obviously, just whatever. Just give me your prediction.
1: Uh, if the Raiders pass on a guy like Quentin Williams and take a guy like Devin White in the, with number four, you know, what I mean, if they if Quentin Williams is on the board or a Nick Bosa or a Ed Oliver, really, and somebody like a, a I don't know, a, a Dwayne Haskins is taken. You know, what I mean, if, if a quarterback is taken in the first round, I think that's going to make Raider Nation shake their head. I think uh, if Quentin Williams is there or Nick Bosa or even Ed Oliver is there and they take Devin White, I think a lot of Raider Nation will be upset. Uh, we talked about why earlier. Um, uh, I think if they get out of the first round. Without a true edge rusher, I think Raider Nation is going to be upset. I honestly believe Raider Nation is probably going to be upset regardless what they do. Because I think that, that they have a plan, how they plan on navigating through this this uh, draft. And I think some, if not all, are going to be a little offended by, or not offended, but a little upset by some of the things that they see. Like if uh, Josh Jacobs goes number 24, I wouldn't have any problem with it. You wouldn't have any problem with it. We talked about why, but... You know, I think a lot of people would be upset because, hey, you can get a running back anywhere. Yeah, but can you get that running back? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a difference, you know? It's like, you can get a running back in the fourth round, but can you get Zeke Elliott? Not that Josh Jacobs is Zeke Elliott, but, you know, still. I mean, there's guys that are difference makers, and there's reasons why they go in the first round. I think Josh Jacobs is a first-round running back. So if you take him at the, at the back end of the first round, like Benjamin Albright said, that's kind of his sweet spot. Somewhere, you know, around the 24 to 27 range, that should be his sweet spot. So, Uh, I I think there's going to be a a lot of wow moments, but, you know, we'll just have to see, man. It's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen as far as The Wow and the oh my god and the shaking my head and what the hell's going on I just know that there's going to be a bunch of that for me it happened last year when they had pick number 10 and I just knew they were going to pick Derwin James or I was hoping they were going to pick Derwin James and then they traded back that made me shake my head because I was like no now Derwin James is going to be gone well he wasn't and they still selected Colton Miller at 15 and still let him get away so I had to shake my head twice I had to say no twice I had that dumb look on my face when uh, my co-host and my co-workers took pictures of me while I was sitting there staring at the stage like what just happened. But I mean, I want to see those. (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. It absolutely is what it is. There'll be that moment this year. Don't worry, there'll be that moment this year, and I'm sure it'll be tweeted out too. So there you go.
0: I think for me, the Raiders take TJ Hawkinson at four.
1: Whoa. Yeah, that'd make me say, whoa.
0: That's going to be because I think he's just a football player. He's just the guy that goes out there and does uh, all the things you want out of a tight end from blocking to um, from blocking to um, to catching passes to leveling defensive ends. I think that would that would be the thing that um, that would be shocking. I don't think it's going to happen, but. If I'm, if I'm looking for one shocking thing, that would probably be it. Um, so that would be, that would be my shocking moment of the first round for the Raiders if they did that. Wouldn't it wouldn't be a shock to me if they drafted a the quarterback just because it's been talked about for so long and ad nauseum. John Gruden wants Tyler Murray. John Gruden loves Drew Locke. He fell in love with him at the Senior Bowl. John Gruden fell in love with, with Dwayne Haskins, it's like, what quarterback has Gruden not fell in love with? Right, exactly. I I wouldn't be shocked at that. And then who knows? Maybe the Raiders are the ones leaking the fact that Gruden likes quarterbacks, and maybe some people are starting to believe it. You know? uh, There isn't a quarterback that John doesn't like. Um, Well, some people want to say Derek Carr. I,
1: I, I I I would be shocked, though, if Kyler Murray were to go to the Raiders. I'd be so shocked. I don't know even what my reaction would be. I mean, I really don't. I don't know if I would be happy i don't know if i'd be mad i don't know if i'd be confused i I don't know i honestly don't know And, and hopefully i don't find out hopefully the cardinals do what they're supposed to do and take them at number one and i don't have to worry about it but i'll tell you right now my heart will start pounding if at number four he's still available and the raiders are on the clock my heart will start pounding like oh my god this is happening this is really, really happening. I guarantee you one thing, my heart might be pounding. If the Raiders are on the clock at number four and Kyler Murray's on the board, I guarantee you Derek Carr's heart is pounding. I guarantee you Derek Carr's like, oh my God, they're going to do it. Oh my God, they're really going to do it. They're going to go after this guy. I guarantee you Derek Carr breaks into a cold sweat. I I, I guarantee you because he probably is, is going to look at his wife and kids and say, well, where are we going to move to next year? Or where 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 is my home going to be? Uh, coming up pretty soon because if they're on the board and Kyler Murray's still there, I almost guarantee you that everybody's going to feel like the Raiders are going to take him. They might not take him, but everyone's going to have that feeling that oh my god, it's happening. The Raiders about to take Kyler Murray.
0: Well, if you look at one of Derek Carr's Instagram posts, he put it, he literally put just the eyes up there. And I remember that. I don't think Derek is the type of guy who's, in fact, like I know he's not, that's going to go on Instagram or some other social media and just rip into the Raiders. But what people don't realize so far, and I think David talked about it uh, on NFL Network, and he hasn't. And if you haven't seen it or heard it, this is be the first time. But every move that the Raiders have made, John Gruden and Mike Mayk have talked to Derek Carr before making that move. Yeah. Every single move, we're going to trade for Antonio Brown. We're gonna go get Tyrell Williams. We're gonna go get Brown. We're gonna go get this. You know this. We're gonna go get Ryan Grant. We're gonna add this player. We're gonna, they know he knows every move they make. Yeah, he's sting for that matter. So at the end of the day, I don't believe the perception of Derek Carr and John Gruden's relationship is is accurate. I believe you know I know what I've been told, and it's far from the case. They are, they are very good, and and Gruden believes in him. Um, doesn't mean it, it's a long-term belief. No, maybe not. But he believes in him right now. And, he, and if he continues to develop trust and grow, then he's in a position to be there long-term. Again, no excuses. Put players around him, let him be that playmaker by getting the playmakers the ball. Um, so I really... I don't know. I, I I just that whole I don't subscribe to the John Gruden doesn't like Derek Carr. They're going to make some type of move. I'm not. I don't, I don't subscribe to that train of thought at all.
1: No, I don't. I don't either. That's why it would be such a shock that that if it happens, that that would be my oh my god, they really happen because I don't think it's going to happen. But still, you just never know. You never know until it all plays out. Until Kyler Murray has that Cardinals jersey in his hand on the stage, <laughs> number one overall, then. There's going to be a slight part of, I think, everybody in Raider Nation who believes that there's a chance that he ends up being an a Oakland Raider. And, again, until it doesn't happen, uh, there's going to be that conversation. And so that that would be a super wild moment, but um, one that most likely won't happen. Okay, Q. My last thought. Good. I got to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> I got to go to bed. Those... It's almost Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> this goes
0: to you in Tennessee. When okay. you get with Ben, I want you guys to have this drink. I want you guys to get to the sweet, the drink that Ben talked about. You'll have one for me. Yeah, this yeah. The drink. Kraken spiced rum. Okay, like it. Mixed, mixed with ginger beer. Okay. With a splash of lime in a Moscow mule cup. Okay. I can have do that. that. I can do that. It is it's one of them drinks that's going to have you feeling just right. I've been drinking that now for a few weeks. And uh, in fact, when I'm done with this is I'm editing the show and going through it. Um, I'm going to be throwing a couple back uh, myself and um, man, Safe travels, Tennessee for you. Um, I look forward to, to uh, hearing you, listening to you and seeing what you're putting out there uh, on social media um, as well. And uh, man, next week, will have complete clarity <laughs> as to what the Raiders roster looks like going into training camp, and uh, see who was right and who was wrong with all these different mock drafts. Um, but man, get down to Tennessee State, have have a ball down there. Don't don't work too hard, but don't not party enough either.
1: Right, no, not. Nah, I'm gonna definitely go down there, live it up, and uh, enjoy every moment of it, man. You gotta soak it up when you're on the road like that, cause it's a blessing to be there. So I'm just excited about the opportunity, and uh, gonna bring back a lot of good content, and we'll have a ton to talk about next week. And yeah, man, can't wait to get it going. And yeah, just I'll be shooting you a lot of texts and pictures and all kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it's going down.
0: <laughs> and I want, I want the picture of your face <laughs> from last year, because I want to use that as the as the picture. Of this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I, I know my co-host has it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it from him. I'll shoot it over to you.
0: Hell yeah. There we go. Well, that's it for this week's and show. is It is the draft show. We are right around the corner from the draft for your boy Q. I'm Joe Rigo. Thank you for listening and supporting Q&A with Q and myself uh, on SB Nation's uh, Silver Black Pride Podcast Network. Again, we appreciate the love, and we look forward to bringing you more Raider content uh, in the upcoming weeks. Have a great time, and uh, enjoy the draft, folks.